This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 46. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I'm your host, mentor and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. My goal is to help makers and creative entrepreneurs build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. On this episode, I'll introduce you to Andrea Hentz Evans Esquire of Evans IP Law outside my fabulous hometown of Washington, D.C. As you'll hear, Andrea and I met as entrepreneurs on Twitter several years ago, and since then, our professional relationship has blossomed into one of my most valued personal friendships. Andrea is an intellectual property attorney who specializes in helping entrepreneurs secure and manage their rights to patents, trademarks, and copyrights. She is a former attorney with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and she literally started her business with two weeks' notice and a new laptop. You'll enjoy our wide-ranging conversation, including how Andrea manages to successfully integrate life and business, and how we both treasure the freedom, flexibility, and fun that comes along with entrepreneurship. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 46. I can't wait to introduce you to Andrea Hentz Evans Esquire of Evans IP Law. But first, this podcast is brought to you by the Indie Business Network, the online entrepreneurial mentoring and coaching network, helping makers and creative entrepreneurs launch, manage, and grow a sustainable and profitable business. You can learn more and join today at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. And now, Let's welcome Andrea Hentz Evans Esquire of Evans IP Law outside Washington, D.C. Andrea Hentz Evans from Evans IP Law. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to be here for this podcast interview. So thank you again. Well, welcome, welcome, welcome to Indie Business Podcast. And as I said in the intro, you are the person behind this amazing law firm that you've built from the ground up at Evans IP Law. I'm so excited to be able to introduce you to people, not only because you can help them with their intellectual property issues, Andrea, but really because you can inspire so many women to maximize their potential through their own small businesses. So let's just dive right in and hear a little bit about your entrepreneurial story. I know you must have had like one of those real jobs back in the day. Tell us about that (laughs) transition, would you? Sure. So yes, I definitely had a real job uh, working at the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So I was very fortunate after law school to start working at the Patent and Trademark Office first as a patent examiner and also as a trademark examining attorney. So that's what's unique about my practice because I've worked on both sides of the office. I'm able to cut costs and foresee issues that someone without my skill set would likely overlook. But most importantly, I've been working at the office for about five years and I was getting all these different calls from inventors and entrepreneurs small business owners and just individuals that needed help with intellectual property and I really wanted to make a difference so believe it or not I just received one too many of those calls I never actually aspired to start a law firm but I thought 
hey, I referred all this business to one of my mentors and I just stepped out on faith, uh, put in my two weeks notice, was moving up the ranks at the patent office and thought, hey, let me start this law firm. What's the worst thing that could happen? And, you know, for any entrepreneur listening out here, when you're working hard for someone else and they believe in you enough to pay for you, you know, to work for them, I thought, well, why not pay myself to work for myself and try to make a difference and an impact? So I'm excited to say that in a couple of weeks, I'm getting ready to celebrate my firm's ninth year anniversary, and we're able to represent clients all over the world with U.S. intellectual property issues. And what I did after I launched my law firm, Donna Maria, is I kept up with all the people that had ever contacted me. So I sent out an email blast saying, hey, I'm launching my law firm, and believe it or not, the clients and referrals started coming in. So knock on wood that the business keeps flowing, but I'm really excited to be part of my clients' dreams and provide them with high-quality work, efficiency, and flat-rate fees, most importantly. It is so empowering to hear you talk about how you went from being employed elsewhere to having your own firm. And, you know, I went through a similar transition from practicing law, as you know, we're, that's one thing, one of the many things we have in common is we're both attorneys, went through that similar transition. And you know, for me, Andrea, it was one day I kind of sat down with a calculator because my, my boss came in one day and gave me this huge, massive raise. I mean, it was off the charts and I had only been working there for four months. So I kind of went, I haven't really done anything. Like, did I, I do anything like to deserve this raise? So I was very thankful, but I also felt on the inside like, wow, you know, they really own me now. <laughs> I kind of thought, <laughs> do I have to work even harder to, than they said I would because they gave me this big raise? Then I pulled out my calculator and I was like calculating how many, how much money um, I was billed out. The firm built me out at a certain hourly rate. And then I counted how much money, um, you know, every, you know, the, the, the partners were making and I kind of went, hmm, there's, there's a little bit of a skew going on here. As much as I bill out, I only actually get a fraction of that in my paycheck. And I kind of went, wait a minute, if I'm going to work this hard, I want to be able to get, you know, at least, you know, a substantial portion of that return for myself. And that wasn't happening. And I kind of felt like I had topped out uh, in, in the traditional legal world. So I, I really, uh, you know, really, really, feel what you're saying about striking out on your own. Now, you said you gave two weeks notice and you were out of there. I mean, what kind of preparation did you do in advance? Or was it just, you know, the the the, the resignation letter? What did, what did you do to prepare for that? Anything? You know, it's a very interesting question because I just had a lot of faith and a lot of support. And I actually cannot believe that I did that. But believe it or not, I just bought a laptop and I had worked at large, medium, and small firms during the summers as a law student here in the D.C. area. You know, I'm a graduate of GW Law School, so I took advantage of all the big firms, and I just sort of stepped back and said, hey, if I had a firm, you know, what would I expect if I was a client? And, and created contracts and just started following up with people, telling them, hey, I know I sent you over to this firm. I want to let you know now I'm starting a law firm. And... The rest is really history. I didn't have any uh, real big savings or anything. I just literally said, I'm going to believe in myself. And one of my mentors who I kind of refer business to actually inspired me because I wasn't keeping up with how much business I was actually sending him. So I would just say, oh, call John, call John. 
by the end of the year, he said, hey, I just want you to know you sent me over six figures of business. And believe it or not, I actually was not making that working for the federal government. So I have this great business model where I feel like most entrepreneurs are like-minded, so they kind of hang together, and I get referrals from many of my clients, so I can't really complain about that. So I didn't do much, but I will tell you, having a great family support system, uh, great mentors, you know, all of that made the difference. Good, good. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, obviously having a network was obviously a very significant thing for you when you branched out on your own. And and also it continues to be because, um, and, and we'll just share a little bit about how we met, Andrea. I just found you on Twitter. One day I was tweeting and as a former attorney, I'm always looking for like other lawyers, especially ones that are like in my hometown of DC. So I can't even remember how I came across you, but there you were. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, you know, you can kind of tell on Twitter from someone's Twitter feed, it kind of looks like you have a lot in common with them. So I said, you know, I'm just going to reach out to her. And before I knew it, you and I were on the phone setting up a success call for the Indie Business Network, where, where we would train, train members and introduce them to experts like you who can help their businesses grow. And I think we've done a few of those. And so, you know, in terms of how important your network was to you and continues to be, uh, that that also is actually what brought us together, just like reaching out, using technology to find people who are like-minded that we can surround ourselves with to be encouraged constantly and also to uplift us and, and continue our journey as entrepreneurs because it can be very, very challenging. Yes, it can. And you know, social media is amazing. I tell people all the time, I don't have a huge budget like most mega firms do to get out here and have a television commercial or something that would cost a lot of money. And I feel kind of just like I have my vision with this law firm. What do you have to lose when it's free? So you have access to people all over the world for free to send your message out. And I think it's incredible that over a short period of time, I've built a good support group and expanded my brand through using tools like live stream video apps like Periscope, uh, Twitter, and a lot of people are out here looking desperately for firms that can support them. So I'm happy to say that I've been able to be a resource and represent so many clients all over the world because of social media. But most importantly, yes, I was so excited to meet you via Twitter. And then we probably met five years later in person. But by the time I met you in person, I felt like I'd known you forever because we had been talking so much through email and phone and social media. So it's really amazing. It really is. And you know, it's, it's, it's stunning to me how at, at the beginning, you know, the dawn of the internet age, so to speak, back in the day, when it seemed quite possible that all of this technology would move us further apart. And I'm amazed at how it really has brought us together, you know, over not just business issues, but just, you know, like important world issues. It continues to like, almost be like a glue that helps us to connect with other people in a way that enhances our lives personally and professionally. And I don't know if everyone expected that. Well, I don't know, to be honest, what I expected, but I think that it's incredible that you can actually, with 140 characters of le or less, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. allow random individuals to just get a glimpse of your personality. And I think that 
you know, tweeting about Shark Tank and uh, just different innovations and different things that I do personally has really helped my brand. And when I started on Par- on Twitter, I had no idea that so many people would say, you know, if I ever invent something, I want to work with you. And I had to take a look at my social media and say, what am I actually doing on here? You know, I'm just being my regular self. But I guess it definitely pays to be genuine and authentic when you have a business, too. So that definitely helps. Well, and you know, let, let's talk about that for a second, because it's interesting you were talking about tweeting about Shark Tank. Now, obviously, you know, that's obviously, hopefully everyone listening to this show knows that that's a television show that comes on Friday evenings. You can also watch it on the internet. But we all get together and like tweet about what we're seeing. What do we think of the invention? How is the entrepreneur doing in the Shark Tank, etc. And and that is something that is personally pleasurable for me. And I would imagine it is for you as well. But it also helps your business. So talk a little bit, Andrea, as a busy wife, mom and entrepreneur, how you find that integrating your business with your personal life helps you be successful because it's, it's, it's not like they're separate silos where where maybe they were in our parents' generation. That's right. So just like you said, I do wear many hats and I have to sometimes wear them at the same time. So I try to combine my personal Uh, life as well as my professional life um, and just have a good balance to be honest with you so I will tell you Shark Tank is a fun time for my family because I like to have my children sit there and watch it with me Uh, my daughter's actually very uh, a little mini entrepreneur working at the business that I have where we provide hands-on STEM programs. So she's now teaching uh, at engineer and she's only 12 years old. So I think that not only can this show inspire adults and inventors and entrepreneurs, but children are inventors too. So we sit around as a family. And what's unique about my post and my social media post is that to be honest, when the show first started, I was the only intellectual property attorney tweeting about the show from an intellectual property attorney's perspective. So sometimes you'll notice during the show they'll ask questions. Hey, what type of patent do you have? So they may answer the question and I'll kind of chime in and say, oh, I wonder what you all think about this type of patent. Should he have filed a different type of patent? Or what do you think is unique about this? Because to be honest, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. I happen to be an intellectual property attorney, but I'm also a consumer. So I like to feel like I know what's good and what's not because I would want to ask myself, hey, would I want to purchase that? So I think that's where a lot of people miss the mark with social media. They use it only to promote themselves and not provide information that's going to benefit their readers. And so I personally don't want to read about myself every day anyway, so I like to retweet and share other useful information that I feel like my viewers and readers can grow from and learn something from. Andrea, what would you say in your experience are some of the top mistakes or missteps that entrepreneurs, particularly very small businesses, mainly solopreneurs, make when it comes to their intellectual property and 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 how can they go about fixing those missteps well you know that is a great question and you call it missteps and I would like to actually look at that as just people not understanding first of all what intellectual property is so I think that a lot of help companies kind of get the message out that when you have an invention you need to protect it with a patent but a lot of people don't understand the process. And so what I found is that 
over the nine years, you know, I try to get my message out, obviously, the best I can to let people know that my firm is out here as a resource. But often, by the time a lot of clients find me, because I go and speak at different trade shows and travel around the country where I set up meetings with clients, sometimes by the time they find me, I'm kind of the cleanup patent attorney, right, where I come in and try to fix things. But I think that for some reason, kind of like that stigma that you hear with science and math, you know, you either love it or you don't love it. When people hear intellectual property, I think they feel that it's not uh, something that they can comprehend. But to be honest, that is one of my passion and missions in life is to educate people about simply what it is. So I definitely want to let everybody know listening that it's divided into patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And so you patent inventions, you want to trademark your brand and possibly the names of those inventions, and then you want to copyright written work. So I think part of the problem with the patent system is if you don't, you basically, Donna Maria, don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm out here trying to speak as often as I can to just educate people because the process is very straightforward and I kind of believe that it's up to the inventor to educate the patent attorney about what their invention is. That's their job and they should have a good attorney that can help them to navigate through the process. Yes, you know, it's interesting that you mention um, you don't know what you don't know. And I think if, if we broaden out and look really carefully at that principle, it, it, it applies to every single aspect of entrepreneurship. and. I love what you said about that because so much of what we do when we get started as a business is, oh my gosh, this is the best product ever. I'm going to get out there and sell it because my friend said it was wonderful. Bam, I have a free website or it cost me $10 to get a domain name and now I am ready to go. And you know, congratulations, right? You have you have just um, you know entered uncharted territory. So I love that you mentioned that because it's a really good reminder for all of us, whether we're new in business or we're seasoned, is that we have to continue to seek out new information. It's not always going to drop in our laps. In fact, oftentimes it doesn't. Not the information we need. We have to be very proactive, right, Andre? We have to go out there and find out what is important to being successful as an entrepreneur, find out the people who can help us to learn what we need to learn. And obviously IP is a part of that. So that mindset, Andrea, let's help people embrace that mindset of, you know, we've got IP, which is obviously, you know, know, an important detail, but you know, uh, you know, a part of the picture, the big picture, that mindset, tell us, tell us what you think about being able to embrace that and how you continually make sure that you as an entrepreneur have the information that you need to propel your business forward. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, you've made a great point where sometimes I think that people kind of feel like they are in a box, you know, they want to stay in their particular industry and um, try to learn from people within their industry. But like you said, a lot of what you learn being an entrepreneur is really transferable amongst all entrepreneurs. And of course, like you Mm -hmm. said, intellectual property is just one part of it. But what I do is I actually attend non-traditional legal conferences often. um, And that's what has allowed me to really build my my business and my brand because you don't necessarily go to a lot of legal conferences where they're talking about social media and you're there with everyone that's you know, has the same goal and they're all trying to learn ways to get new clients. But I think that no matter what industry you're in, sometimes it may be good to just 
invest in yourself and attend a conference that's not necessarily in your industry, something that may help you to grow and meet other people that, you know, are like-minded just like you. And so I attend a lot of conferences, including yours. I really love your indie cruise that you have. Yay, so I was able to speak. Yes, and I was able to speak on the cruise ship a couple of years ago and have made lifelong friends with uh, several of the people that attended that, but they also became, became my clients. But I think that when, once you meet me, and even if you don't meet me, because to be honest, I probably have never met 70% of my clients. But mm -hmm. one thing for sure about my business and myself is that I am very passionate about providing, you know, high quality patent, trademark, and copyright legal services. And, you know, my federal trademark is invest in your idea. And I stand by that. I believe that it definitely can be an investment, but I feel that one common mistake a lot of entrepreneurs make is that they're, they, they're kind of hesitant in basically outsourcing different parts of their business. And the only way you can grow is if you stand behind what you do best and start outsourcing. And I know that you start off kind of small. You don't have a lot of money to spend. But sometimes when you sit back and realize how much time you're spending to learn how to, for instance, file a trademark application. Like I can't tell you how many people attempt to file those applications on their own. And by the time the PTO, the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office um, or USPTO examines that application, it can be six months. And so by the time you find out that you've made a mistake that's going to cause you to have to refile your application, it's too late. So now you've already put the business out there. You're starting to get cease and desist letters. And then you're paying more for an attorney to fix your mistakes. So now it's kind of one of those things where if only you would have stepped back and said, okay, I make lotion. Let me just focus on making lotion. Let me send this part of the business to the, the IP attorney, this part of the business to Jane Doe who can answer my calls. So I think that's critical when you are an entrepreneur that and it's hard now. Don't trust me. I learned that the hard way. It's hard and it's hard to find good people that believe in your vision and your brand just like you do. But when you find good people, you never let them go. And you know that. So Yes. And I, w I want you to unpack that a little bit more. You have a firm. You obviously don't do everything yourself. Tell us a little bit about your model and, and how you have uh, different people helping you in different aspects of your business. Well, I'm happy to say this summer I have an intern working for me, so she's helping to create a lot of my um, social media images and things that are being posted, and uh, she's been a big help. And I have other attorneys that on an as-need basis, you know, I can rely on for different contract work. So if it's something that, um, if it's a large project or something like that, we kind of work with other attorneys as on a contract as needed basis and so that's been a big help and then I do have one assistant that is my right hand that helps with docketing and phone and uh, responding to several emails so uh, it takes a village as you know so that uh, I get a lot of good referrals from people on a daily basis so I'm really happy and take pride in being able to be so responsive because that's what I'll tell you, being an entrepreneur, it amazes me that I get clients just from responding to them, where sometimes I'll call them back and they say, wow, you're the only attorney that actually called me back. So I think that's half the battle, you're just being responsive and acting like you want the work. You know, if, if you don't 
return a phone call is taking you two weeks to return a phone call from a prospective client, you probably won't get that client. So that's just business one-on-one that I think can apply to every entrepreneur listening. Andrea, tell us a little bit about how you successfully integrate your family life with your business. I know we talked a little bit about Shark Tank and how it's like a family event and you get to tweet while you're also teaching your children at the same time about entrepreneurship. That's such a great um, you know, example of how it can be done. But like day to day, I mean, there's 24 hours in a day. I hope you're getting you know six to eight hours of sleep in each <laughs> of them. So with the 18 hours that are left, how, what are some of the tips that you can offer to other entrepreneurs who are also uh, parents, you know, moms and dads out there who are trying to raise a business and their kids at the same time? Do, do you have a lot of help? Do you have obviously a supportive spouse? I mean, what are your tips in that area? Sure. Well, I definitely have a supportive husband, so I can't complain about him uh, today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I definitely have a great supportive husband and uh, he encourages me and, you know, kind of fills in uh, if needed if I have things to do in the evening because as you know I'm here in the DC area so literally there is some type of business event every night of the week if you want to but I mean you said it right it's literally about time management and so I have a schedule where I try to pick and choose uh, what I want to do so during the day you know I feel like I'm working just like every other business, you know, eight o'clock to maybe six o'clock in the evening. Then I just try to turn off and spend time with my family having dinners. And then I actually am very fortunate to be able to attend a lot of great conferences and speak at a lot of great events all over the world. And so what I try to do is uh, do my best to prepare and meet with clients in those various cities and countries and then spend some time uh, with my family if it's going to be a venue or a place that we maybe are able to stay a little bit longer. So sometimes I'll attend a conference for three or four days and then my husband will travel with our children so we can take a vacation. But, you know, I will tell you being an entrepreneur has been the best thing because mm-hmm. I started my firm when my oldest daughter was only two years old and it's hard for me to believe that. But I feel so good that I'm able to do what I love, but also be there for her. So I'm able to attend all of her events and I'm able to, to be honest, set a lot of my own deadlines. And so I love that. Now, of course, the United States Patent and Trademark Office will uh, send different, you know, actions that require responses. But I feel like there are no real emergencies in intellectual property. And so I, I definitely... I'm very fortunate that I just chose the right type of law because, you know, no one's life is necessarily on the line. I know that people's inventions and their brands are their babies, but, I but think nobody, that, nobody's going to die. Right. And most <laughs> of my clients get that, to be honest. I've yeah, been yeah. very fortunate to work with great people, so I can't complain right. about that. But it's all about time management mm-hmm. and being able to uh, delegate, you know, and have yeah good support system, not only with family, but the people that you choose to work with that you hire. So that is key because if you work with people that you can depend on, then you're less stressed, right? Because then you're mm-hmm. not worried about things getting done. So that's the best thing. Yes. And you're, you're hitting on so many issues that are so near and dear to my heart. I'm remembering back during the time when I you know, had a real job and I didn't have the kind of I guess it's really freedom and flexibility that you're talking about right now to be able to engage in a career or professional endeavor that 
helps you to set your own schedule and make your life your own because you set the priorities and then being able to manage a business around that. It's just like you can really only get that from entrepreneurship unless you are, you know, so high up in the company that you work for that you kind of get get to have that benefit. But that's like such an infinitesimally small number of people. But with entrepreneurship, no matter what business you have, you can basically hack out the road yourself and create it as you go. And that's what you've done. Well, thank you. I'm very proud of that. And I have to pinch myself sometimes and say, I am truly so blessed and thankful and living my dream. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank everybody for always supporting me and my firm and my vision. So I'm really thankful for that. Yes. And, you know, I I want you to, you know, you know, really continue doing what you're doing, because obviously the intellectual property is so important for entrepreneurs. But Andrea, I think even more important than that is the example that you're setting for other people, because I believe that entrepreneurship is for everyone. I hear a lot of people say, oh, you're not cut out for entrepreneurship. I'm like, that's poppycock to me, because why not? Like having a job is hard, but no one ever says you're not cut out for having a job, right? So to me, it's That's like, right. You, yeah. you know what? Half of the bad, I think the hardest decision that you can make as an entrepreneur is just starting the business, mm-hmm. you know? And I want to say Bob Johnson, billionaire Bob Johnson, uh, definitely made an impact on me. I was fortunate to be at an event that uh, he was speaking at and he said, you know, Uh, When you have this safety net of a job and you kind of try to be a part-time entrepreneur, you have something to always fall back on. But Mm -hmm. you have drive and you have to work and you have no choice but to succeed when you're an entrepreneur with no job to fall back on. We all have bills to pay. We all have things that we want to do in life. And I would just say to any entrepreneur or anyone that is interested in even becoming an entrepreneur, you know, it's. It's more good days than bad days, okay? So that definitely so true. try it out and just have faith in yourself. And when you believe in yourself and you have that confidence, the rest will just fall into place. And there were so many people that when I said to them, hey, I'm going to start a law firm, they laughed to my face saying, oh, we'll keep your seat warm here at work and you know, we know you'll be back. And I said, oh, well, what you don't know is me, apparently, because I'm going to make this work. And try this out. And sometimes, you know, I will say there are a lot of entrepreneurs that do fail. Now, it's not easy. And I work hard. And I definitely will tell you, I work very hard. So that's one thing. Um, You do have to be able to get the work done. And part of it, though, is I guess I'm just very confident, or I know I'm very confident, but I'm also confident in my abilities to get the work done for clients. And so that is what is really encouraging me to continue uh, with this dream and vision because there are a lot of firms that have contacted me, a lot of companies that, you know, folded a piece of paper with a number on it. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even think at this point that they could afford me because what I have is more priceless and valuable, the freedom, flexibility, Mm -hmm. and time that I have to myself. And I always think when I'm speaking at conferences at these, you know, lavish places, I'm also always thinking, wow, if I worked at another big business, they would go, you know, they wouldn't send me to these places, they would go and speak at, you know, these conferences. So 
I am truly thankful and living my dream and can't complain. That is so true that they would they would not be sending you. But you know, <laughs> I, that, that freedom and flexibility is something that in my heart, I mean, here's my passion, is that every person would be able to experience that, whether you quit your job or not, that you would understand that you have a talent or a gift or some area of expertise, something that you can make or some service that you can offer that people will pay for. And there's not a person on the planet who doesn't have that. You know, small, small, you know, there are some situations that are unique and different, but that's the vast minority. Most people, the vast majority of people have something, actually more than one thing that they can do to generate some income and create this kind of ability to build your confidence over time. Because no matter what you do, you need to be confident at doing it. And I think entrepreneurship is one of the best ways to build that. But you're right, Andre, it's also the freedom, the flexibility and the fun. And what what you have exhibited for us here is the ability to, you know, take the bull by the horns. Uh, not necessarily have a plan B. There's an actress, I can't remember her name. Of course, I'm going to remember as soon as we finish this podcast, but her, her name, and she said, she was asked once, you know, did you have a plan B when you quit your job? We actually happened to work at the same business um, back in the day. I didn't know her back then, but we were, <laughs> we were working together in the same office. And she said, no, I didn't have a plan B. Because if I'd had a plan B, I probably wouldn't have worked as hard on my plan A. Right. And, you know, so I, I agree with that. I quit my job on two weeks notice as well. Unlike you, I had to go back to work because things didn't work out for me the first time. But the beauty of that is, is that we can all decide what's best for us and give it as best a try as we can. And if it doesn't work, then you can create your plan B from that. And so as I see you doing that, as I see so many other Indie Business Network members and other entrepreneurs that I meet on Twitter like you and on Shark Tank too, doing that, it's like, I think the world is seeing so much more of that now, Andrea, that it's not unusual anymore. Entrepreneurship used to be unusual. It's not unusual anymore. And that's a good thing. That's right. And it only takes one yes. And, you know, once you get that yes, that is affirmation that you're doing the right thing. And the, and the more yeses you get, the better off you are. But it only takes one yes. So like you said, there are so many people that are out here providing free, valuable information mm -hmm. that even if someone gave you a dollar, you know, to listen to you talk about something, that's one more dollar that you have. And that's, you know, the way that you start off just yeah. by saying, hey, I'm valuable and just like you said, you look at what you're making and what people are charging for your services. When you work for others, you don't make 100% of that profit. And of course, you don't make 100% of that profit when you work for yourself, but at least you don't feel used. You know, you feel like, okay, you know what you're worth and you know what's a charge to make enough to be able to live within whatever means mm -hmm. you choose to live in. And you can control that. You can, you can get more clients, get more customers, make more money. If you're overwhelmed and you don't want to do that because it's changed your lifestyle in a way you don't like, you can get less clients, make less sales, make less money, and you can completely control what works for you at any given time in your life. I just, you know, I hope people hear like what we're saying, because it's not so much, you know, what we do, like you have a particular type of business I do, other people do. It's really what we get as a result of having a business of any kind of our own. And 
as I said, I just want this so much for everyone. That's why I wanted to have you on because so many people and, you know, to narrow it down even further, Andrea, as a former practicing attorney myself, so many attorneys really, really are like, I have to say it, sometimes desperate to get out of the traditional way that law is practiced in this country. And you've done that. You're still practicing law every bit as good, even better than you did when you worked for others, but you're doing it on your own terms. And that is an amazingly wonderful thing with so many benefits attached to it. Well, thank you so much. I'm going to work a little harder today <laughs> just <because laughs> of that extra boost of encouragement. I appreciate that. And I think that you're right, though, that a lot of people miss the mark because really everything that we do is a business. Everything can be run with a business model or some type of model that mm -hmm. allows you flexibility and freedom. And you're right, being an entrepreneur definitely affords you um, the ability and access to financial freedom and just freedom, period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Andrea, tell us where we can go to learn more about you and the services that you offer. Where on the internet do we go? And also, for those of you who are in the D.C. area, how do we get in touch with you more personally um, if, if we kind of want to meet up with you or see where, where you are, where those networking meetings are that you are up there so we can come and shake your hand? Okay, well, look, you don't have to be in the D.C. area necessarily. My practice is federal, so for anyone listening that has any type of intellectual property issue here in the U.S., they can reach out to my firm at EvansIPLaw.com, and then I'm at EvansIPLaw on all social media platforms. So I use Periscope daily to talk about valuable intellectual property issues. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter as well at EvansIPLaw. And when you subscribe to my firm's newsletter, which I highly recommend, that's the best way to stay informed about different IP events and different activities that we host. And um, you can go there and also subscribe and get a free ebook that will dispel a lot of myths that people have about trademarks. So I highly recommend that. And like I said, that's at EvansIPLaw.com. Excellent. Excellent. And you can also... Um check you out, as you said, on all the different social media. And, you know, Andrea, for people who are, um, you know, on their mobile device, even right now, and they want to give your office a call, what's the phone number? The phone number is 301-497-9997. And also our email, really simple to remember, is just info, F-O at EvansIPLaw.com. So E-V-A-N-S-I-P-L-A-W.com. Info at EvansIPLaw.com. And that's the website address as well. Thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us. We'll see you next time. And we'll also see, well, I know I'm going to see you before this, but we'll see you on Indy Cruise Mastermind 2017 too in Punta Cana. That's right. You know how to choose some great destinations <laughs> for entrepreneurs to relax and rejuvenate. So I'm looking forward to that. And I recommend also that entrepreneurs find outlets like that where they can mix a little bit of business with pleasure because that's what it's about balance. Because you know, Donna Maria, being an entrepreneur, you can work around the clock, but then it doesn't make it worth it. So you have to start your business and know how to balance your time so that you have the freedom and flexibility that we've been talking about. Yes, I call it the three F's, freedom, flexibility, and fun. If you, if you can find a business or create a business that gives you those things, it's just 
Oh, it makes my heart go pitter-patter. We will, we will talk about this more in Punta Cana. So we'll see you then. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on the Indie Business Podcast today. Thank you again. We'll have to talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Andrea Hence Evans Esquire. Let's unpack some of the tips she shared in this episode. First, learn what you don't know. Andrea pointed out the critical point that when you start a new endeavor, you don't know what you don't know. This means that you don't even know what questions to ask when you first launch a business. The bottom line, though, is that you have to make it your business to ask questions as you go along so you can figure it out. Ask Google, ask local professionals, ask entrepreneurs in fields outside of your own, ask books, ask magazines, ask a blog post. This is the only way to gather the knowledge you need on an ongoing basis to keep yourself and your business strong and successful. Second, delegate. Andrea has set up her business so she has someone to answer calls and manage her schedule, someone to help her with social media, and professional contractors to help her with legal client work. You may not need help in those specific areas of your business, but it is important for you to figure out where you do need help and then go and find it. You can start a business as the chief cook and bottle washer, but you cannot grow one that way. And thirdly, return those phone calls. Andrea has sometimes solidified new business, not because of the merits of her service, which are clearly considerable, but simply because she returned a call and someone else did not. You never know who's calling you. And yes, sometimes a phone call comes to nothing, but there is probably no less expensive way to earn a new customer than to return their phone call. So there's really no excuse not to do it. You can subscribe to the Indie Business Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And you can also listen at my website at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash podcast. And while you're on iTunes, if that's your way of listening, would you do me the honor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured on the Indie Business Podcast. This is one of the chief ways I fulfill my own personal mission in life to help people maximize their success through small business ownership. As more and more people tune into the Indie Business Podcast, it reaches more human beings and more lives and more communities are changed through the power of entrepreneurship. You can also share episodes on social media from my blog at IndieBusinessNetwork.com. I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.